0: on so much going on and so much happening in these day and times and i just think that sometimes we just need to take a pause we need to have some breathing moments some reflective moments right all throughout our day if possible um i know that this is a long day for me i started out around about eight o'clock And after I get off here tonight, I have one more class to teach, and then I will be sort of doing my downtime after eight (laughs) o'clock. So tonight we are only going to be reading about what was the Harlem Renaissance, so I know that I can make time in between this teaching and my class on tonight. So I hope everybody is doing well. We know that there is lots of stuff happening in the world and in the news. But in all things, make sure that you're checking in with yourself, that you know what's happening inside of you and with you and with your body, soul, and spirit. Um, because the way this world is shaping up, um, we can be so inundated with what's happening externally that we stop checking for what's happening internally so this is your reminder if you haven't gotten one today to check in with yourself to do that introspection for yourself to make sure you're good body mind and spirit so again we are finishing up what was the harlem renaissance And then tomorrow we'll be jumping back into the other reads that we have been looking at along with the uh, inventor's work. We are on the chapter entitled, The End and After. The End and After. The Great Depression signaled the beginning of the end for the Harlem Renaissance. Langston Hughes said, we were no longer in vogue anyway, we Negroes. Colored actors began to go hungry, publishers politely rejected new manuscripts, and patrons found other uses for their money. Magazines like The Crisis and Opportunity stopped giving out cash prizes to writers. The WPA provided work for some for a few years, but most Black writers and artists of the day lived hand to mouth. As time passed, popular interest in black culture began to fade. Struggling Americans were more concerned with money than with art. Hughes said, quote, The ordinary Negroes hadn't heard of the Negro Renaissance, and if they had, it hadn't raised their wages any. Even Allen Locke realized the new Negro movement should have addressed itself more to the people themselves black people kept arriving from the south looking for work but jobs were scarce during the great depression it was lack of work that struck the final blow to the harlem renaissance in march 1935 in the form of a riot many harlem businesses had remained white owned they made their money from black customers but refused to hire black employees hmm not much has changed right The community had peacefully protested this unfair treatment. Tensions were still high when a 16-year-old black Puerto Rican boy was accused of stealing from a store. After his arrest, a false rumor spread that the boy had been killed. That led to a riot. The poet Claude McKay later called it the gesture of despair of a bewildered, baffled, and disillusioned people. By the time it was over, more than a hundred people were in jail, 30 people were at the hospital, and three were dead. The Harlem Renaissance was born from the hope that art could help gain equality for African Americans. The riot seemed to prove that its efforts had failed to change the lives of everyday people. The neighborhood fell on hard times that would last many years. But all was not lost. After all, a renaissance is a rebirth. Now, do we think it just coincidental that at the height of all of this Black brilliance and excellence being shown, at the height of that, that all of a sudden the American economy would go into a depression, forcing people out of jobs, out of the arts, out of creativity? Out of having time to think and plan and dream and imagine? Something for you to think about. The Harlem Renaissance gave birth to the new Negro. That spirit lived on in the works of future Black writers, such as James Baldwin and Lorraine Hansberry, who in turn influence writers today. And each new generation of writers has claimed a wider audience among Americans of all races. Many in the Harlem Renaissance went on to join the civil rights movements of the 1950s and 60s. Louis Armstrong donated money to the cause and spoke out against segregation in schools. One of the organizers of the famous March on Washington DC in 1963 was the Messenger Magazine editor, A. Philip Randolph. Josephine Baker shared the stage with Martin Luther King that day. She spoke briefly saying, I have walked into the palaces of kings and queens and into the houses of presidents, but I could not walk into a hotel in America and get a cup of coffee. Toward the end of the march, Dr. King delivered his famous I Have a Dream speech. King was a fan of Langston Hughes's poetry. Some people believed his speech was inspired in part by Hughes's line, What Happens to a Dream Deferred? In his speech, King talked about his dream for equality. He said that he was personally the victim of deferred dreams, but he still believed his dream could come true. Music also outlived the Harlem Renaissance. Jazz continues to influence modern music, including hip-hop. One musician said hip-hop is like one of the children of jazz. Another musician called both types of music a link to the reality of black folks, and Black youth in particular. The art of the Harlem Renaissance also inspired new generations of African-American visual artists. Augusta Savage's student Jacob Lawrence and 306 group member Romare Bearden went on to great fame as part of the second wave of Harlem artists. Their Renaissance origins are powerfully reflected in their work. During the Harlem Renaissance, it was illegal for people who were attracted to people of their same sex to live openly in America. But this did not stop such artists as Langston Hughes, Allen Locke and County Cullen from including those experiences in their own work. They are now celebrated for presenting a little seen part of black life in America. In the first quarter of the 21st century, Harlem itself began experiencing another rebirth. More people of all races have moved to the area. A vibrant new culture is bringing the famous neighborhood and its history back to life. The Harlem Renaissance set out to celebrate African-American culture. In that, it succeeded. Even so, African-Americans and other people of color still struggle for equality in society and in the creative arts. The movie industry has come under fire for its lack of diversity. The same is true in the visual arts and the book world but efforts are being made to improve representation and African-Americans continue to make beautiful art despite the challenges we face. That determined creativity is perhaps the greatest legacy of Harlem Renaissance. All right, I wanna show you the uh, images and then I will open it up for some conversation tonight. So these are some of the images in the back here. This is blues singer Bessie Smith. As I said before, these are some wonderful photographs of the time. Some of these are in the life picture collection in Getty Images. This is the sculptor Augusta Savage. Now, also during this time was the sculptor Edmonia Lewis, who recently just got a um, postage stamp. You have the poet Langston Hughes holding on to an African statue at the time. And this is a series of pictures. This is Josephine Baker, painter Aaron Douglas of the time, and photographer James Vanderzee. not to be forgotten dancer bill bojangles robinson and metavox ward warwick fuller's one of her most famous sculptures entitled emancipation author zora neale hurston jazz musician louis armstrong And pianist, Duke Ellington. An image of the famous Apollo Theater on 125th Street in Harlem. You see the people moving through. So much more busier and crowded these days. And also, I really love this image, the members of the Harlem Hellfighters who fought in France and earned some of the highest war medals awarded in France. The sheet music cover for Noble Sissel and Yubi Blake's play on Broadway, Shuffle Along, an image of the Cotton Club and writer and political activist W.E.B. Dubois at the Crisis headquarters. Oh, to bring back a writer's room where it's all black. Musician Cab Calloway, Broadway actress Ethel Waters in the play Cabin in the Sky and Paul Robeson as Othello. So there's Cab Calloway. I love how this photograph captures his energy and joy and passion for what he's involved in. And I think we're coming to the last image here. Writer, editor, and critic Jesse Redmond Fawcett. All right. So that concludes the reading about the Harlem Renaissance. I want to take some time now. So if you would like to um, share your thoughts about how the Renaissance, Harlem Renaissance period ended and any other insights you would like to offer, you can go ahead and click on the camera and I will bring you in for discussion tonight. If you are listening by Anchor, I want to thank you for your time and attention. This has been another episode of Daring Dialogues, and I've been your host tonight, Shante Charles. Remember, light is the most daring opposition to darkness, so continue to be light.